All right, take two. Mm. We we attempted to start the podcast <laughs> five minutes ago, but we cleared about four minutes and thirty seconds of laughing in the previous uh, take. So we're starting again because <laughs> we need just, to start fresh. It's just uh, it's a different experience being this close to your face. Is so, it beautiful? Yeah, it is. And the tea. And I probably will preserve a bit of the original intro, but Biscoff and tea is a vibe. Do we do we cheers with our tea again one more time to sure. kick off the podcast officially? Mine's yeah. almost empty, but have some more ASMR here. We're in the room with our with our T two, kicking off the podcast, kicking off the day. Oh. It's been good. This morning's already been packed with some pretty pretty intense chats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they chatting. start as light chats and then. I think it's a nat- the natural tendency of, if you know Joseph, if you know him, and if you've been in a conversation with him, I mean, like, it's great. Like, the chats are great, but then <laughs> <laughs> the chats are great, but there will always be a point <laughs> where your life purpose will be, um, will be the focus. <laughs> nah, it's been good because we've been, um, we've had some good chats this morning already and already our chats have kind of come to the point where, yeah, like there's intention, intentionality and that's, it's a good thing. It's something that I think most people appreciate about you is you can spend life talking, like you can spend life focused on the little things and there's time for that. But I think what's great is whenever you enter a room and whenever you enter a conversation, when Joseph enters the chat, there's a lot of... (laughs) Everyone exits. (laughs) Mute. Nah, it's like an aura in an RPG game, bro. Like the wisdom, the wisdom aura. When Joseph is around, everyone gets five plus wisdom. (laughs) Man, I want... And five plus purpose points. I really wish it was dexterity. That was always what I used to boost in in my stats was dexterity. Slide of hand. That sounded cool. (laughs) But no, like we were, we've had four really quality days here. Here, up here, four, four really good purpose we were actually doing a project a film project but also tying in with the school holidays so catching up with family has been really nice but it's been a full week we've had a lot of catch-ups that we were supposed to be out we we're supposed to be going yesterday it's a friday we're recording this it's supposed to be on the you road can't on leave Thursday. man once you hit rocky and now we're once leaving. you hit the motherland <laughs> it feels like it now we're on saturday as in we're leaving tomorrow morning so we've had plenty of time to schedule some really nice quality catch-ups yeah that's the thing i don't know the older I get, now the older, yeah, honestly, the older I am getting, I realize the more valuable everyone's time is. Like, yeah, at the end of the day, everyone, even if they don't feel like their time is valuable, like their time is valuable. So you, you want to not take too much of people's time with mindless chatter. Like, there's obviously it's great to catch up, it's great to hang out and you know have really refreshing chats. But at some point, if you know if we're only here for a, you know a couple months and we don't see everyone for a couple months, I want to try and check in and make sure people are are doing well in as in they feel like they're doing well and yeah. it's not, I don't feel like it's my responsibility at all it just happens it's not your responsibility but I think it's just it like the nature of up. someone's nature will always kick in in a, in a conversation and your nature is to um to inspire people I think your nature is not just to inspire people but to inspire purpose so every conversation you'll manage to <laughs> not every time but like a good portion of your conversations and I think it's a reflection of you is just you're an inspiring guy. So you enter a room, you enter a conversation and you get people um, looking forward to the future with with passion, which is a good thing. And do you want to keep the mic just a little closer, bro? I'm just oh, monitoring now. Yeah. yeah, I'll come closer. Mm. <laughs> get these dulcet tones. No, I think like for me, and again, everyone, everyone's wired differently, but when I am in a conversation, I kind of throw it back a, lo- a couple of years ago. I was very, 
very unsure about how to talk to people, like in general. And it's actually still something that I'm trying to overcome in terms of how how do you be how do you win friends and influence people. Obviously, this is a book, but I've had to actually teach myself, and I'm not even close to, to good at it. I'm just trying to to get better every day, but to actually learn how to have a conversation with somebody, um, with anybody or, or try to, regardless of who they might be, what age, stage of life. And I, like, I follow a framework when I've had, I've had to, at the beginning, I had to follow an actual framework to teach myself how to converse with people properly. Do you ever, you ever hear about the Ford framework, F-O-R-D? Yeah. Cause that's what I, that's I remember one. stumbling upon at some point. It might've been a YouTube video about conversations. It's like family, um, occupation. Yep. Recreation. Uh, recreation and dreams. Yeah, I think. Yeah, same same kind of thing or form with M is motivation. <clears throat> but that's the thing. Every I guess I've taught myself to have conversations with people that end up on that M or that D part of the f- that equation, which is motivation or dream. I think because I think in my learnings I, at the end of the day, when you converse with someone, people love to feel like that. Like p- without knowing, you love feeling like you're being heard. You love feeling like you're being listened to and people understand. So I, I personally, I tell Annie this and a few people that I kind of make it my goal when when I can in a conversation, in my little game to myself is how little can I talk about myself in this conversation? Mm. How many questions can I ask and how can I con- continue a conversation just by being inquisitive and learning about the other person, let them feel comfortable well, about Well, you've naturally about done that so well. I mean, even in this podcast we were just talking about earlier, the last couple, like, I mean, we've only done a couple episodes, but you're naturally interviewing me. Like, <laughs> you're asking me a lot of questions, I've noticed. I'll probably try to com- combat that in this one, bro. Oh, <laughs> You'll ask me some questions about, oh, that. what do you reckon? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> pause. <laughs> no, but that's the thing. I, I found it, I've, it's my own little game to myself that I, I, I play. And now it's, I don't think about it anymore. I don't think, I kind of naturally just ask people and, and listen to what they're actually saying and trying to meet them where they are. And it's, it's something I want to continue learning. There's, there's channels, actual YouTube channels that I've spent time, like Charisma and Command is one of my favorite YouTube yeah, channels. Yeah, I think I've stumbled on that one a and couple times, yeah. That's that's helped me to kind of help understand what it is, what is it about certain personalities, certain celebrities even, that have this charisma about them, whether it's like learning how to talk and let people make sure that people are listening to you or, or make sure that you're actually engaging with someone to the point that, you know, they feel, yeah, that they feel like you're having a quality conversation. What's What do you reckon is your biggest practical practical tip when you're entering a conversation with someone? What What's a practical tip that you can tell someone to set their frame of mind in or even tell themselves to do entering a conversation if they want to be more others focused? You've got two ears and one mouth, use it in that ratio. Oh snap, dude! That's good. That just bro. came to mind, <laughs> bro. And that's—I mean—that's reflective of this podcast because, like, you have just like thinking back on the couple of episodes that we've done. We were talking about it earlier. Like, you've ended up asking me so many questions, and a bulk of like I'll finish recording, then I look at the waveform, <laughs> and it literally looks like that two to one. It's almost <laughs> yeah. You're doing a good job of that. I think it's something that I've picked up. As well, naturally through my vocation as well, because a lot of what we what I do in video production is interview based. So it's I guess leaning to more documentary style of and and I've studied how to I'm studying and how to do documentaries well. And you hear it every time. It's like the best documentary filmmakers just listen and you come up with your frequent you come up with what you want to get out of a conversation in, in that in that kind of context. But you just go with the flow. 
and in the back of your mind, you know, if there's certain things. So for me, I know if there's certain things that sound selfish, but if there's certain things I want to get out of a conversation, I have that, those mental dot points in my head that if I'm going to talk and spend more than a couple minutes with this person, I'm going to find out this, 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 mm. or I'm going to ask these things and I'll figure out how do I weave this conversation as best as I can back to make sure that we get to those yeah. points. So you kind of have like a destination in mind and then you have like markers. Is that kind of how you'd say like yeah, questions so. that act as markers and you just let the, the conversation free flow and then guide them back to the markers. Is that yeah. maybe how you'd describe it? I don't know. It's kind of a fun, I keep, it sounds like a, I'm talking like as if I'm gamifying it, but it's, it's because I, I say this because I really thought, and I still think that I, I'm not the best like social person. Like I want, I want to get better at being in social environments, especially with people I don't know. And it's always awkward being the person in the room that doesn't know anyone. Mm. And I think just being able to know how to kind of talk to people yeah. has been really helpful. But like even, like let's say there's three people in a conversation or this starts with two and there's three people. One thing I've been, t I've learned from observing other people, like for example, a young adults pastor in Hillsong, Jason. So like adapting principles of finding the commonalities between people as fast as possible, whether it's their vocation, whether it is occupation, recreation, mm. family, whatever it is, just finding one common ground uh, and quickly yeah. spinning it as fast as I can to go, hey. So if I feel like I'm mentally, if I'm talking to two people at the same time, we're having a three-way conversation and I think I can feel that this person has dominated the conversation. This one maybe wants to say something or maybe they're just shy. I'll quickly go, and what do you think of that? Or yeah. So yeah, you know what I mean? Like open the door. What, yeah. What, yeah. This obviously, oh, that's something else that this per X person has that is in common with Y. So I spin it to X person. And in the equation, in my mind, I'm trying to keep myself out of the dialogue. Obviously like being able to pitch in, but it sounds like a science, but that's what I enjoy. I think about con conversing these days. And, um, yeah, I don't know how we got on this topic, but yeah. I yeah, know. I don't even know how we landed on it, but I don't know, bro. the um, it's kind of like the middleman, eh? Like you, in a sense, you can conversationally, if you want to keep yourself out of the um, out of the focus, like not making yourself the focus, but keeping conversation going between multiple people, it is like a middleman sort of thing, eh? Where the attitude has to be, it's not about me, but I want to bridge all of these relationships in mm. one way or another. That's one pretty of, cool. One of the, I guess, it's really, it's a. <clears throat> It's not the perfect metaphor, but it comes to mind straight away is if you've ever watched How I Met Your Mother, like when, have you watched it? Nah, man. Oh, nah. okay. When Barney. I've gone through, took me all last year to get through Friends. Right. And I'm, I'm actually pacing quite well in the office. And I'm proud year. of you for that. I feel like, like that's its own podcast topic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's its own podcast topic plus its own podcast because you keep talking about the Office, office Ladies, Ladies podcast. podcast. But I've gotten through to season seven and what's the month? Oh, no, we're getting close October. to the end of the year. So yeah, I, I reckon I'll clear it before the end of the year, yeah, which is which is good for me. And then start it again. But, Fast pace. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and how I met your mother is like Barney is Ted's wingman, and Ted's always trying to find up. He's trying to find a relationship, and Barney's like a pl bit of a playboy, and he knows how to swoon women. But like the first one of the first episodes, he just goes. To a, to a girl and then he introduced Ted he goes have you met Ted? I think I remember that because Gracie showed me one of the starting episodes like I haven't fully watched it but Gracie's tried to get me onto it so I think I remember that episode it's a very crude metaphor but like again <laughs> this is where see I think part of my approach to conversation and personalities and talking is like I feel like anything can come out of anything deep can come out of a very shallow metaphor mm. but really when it comes to just connecting people you're actually 
everything in life happens because of relationships. Yeah. Everything in life. Like the keyest piece of advice that was given to me recently in recent years was your network is your net worth, something along those lines. You are only as influential or as valuable as your network work. Yeah. Like your people, your relationships. Because one thing I'm learning from being surrounded by, by intentionally being surrounded by, let's say in a business context, business owners of varying specialties, varying yeah. expertise, is that I've been taught and in being taught to learn how to see the dots, to to find how to refer work to someone, to connect people, to allow collaboration that may may not even ever come back to me. But it's that that concept of giver's gain. Yeah. Where it is better to give than to receive. Yeah, yeah. And so even I suppose from a very deep level, I feel like in conversation, I don't know I I don't know if anyone has feedback from the conversations with me on this, but it's like if I can facilitate if we if we can all facilitate conversations where it's about the other person, everyone's gonna be thinking about the other person. Yeah. On a deep level. And no one's gonna be spending overly much time puffing themselves up because we're all talking about the other person. That's good. That's a really good that's a really good approach to self um to to combating self centered conversation. And you're talking about um like it I can't remember what the specific um language you're using but you're talking about how it reminded me of someone it reminded me of something i'll have to listen back to what you're talking about and maybe for those listening on the podcast just listen back to the last two minutes i can't remember exactly your wording but it reminded me of someone um tim ferris i shared mm -hmm. his i shared one of his posts this morning on my instagram stories you responded to it but it got me thinking so what you just can talked about there for the last like three to four minutes um i see like tim ferris is a good example of that where he's not someone that like I know him for anything specific apart from he's just pulled the best out of other people and he's let other people and he's networked so well with so many different people. I mean, I've got one of his books there, two of his Tools books. Tools of Titans and... Tool, yeah, Tools of Titans, um, Tribe of Mentors. Tribe of Mentors. Yeah. And in those books, they're like, they're books that like the size of stinking encyclopedias or something. Eh? And it in it is just like hundreds, uh, maybe not hundreds, but... Oh, potentially hundreds, I can't remember how many, of just like high-performing celebrities, high-performing um, athletes, high-performing business owners, <laughs> just of every sphere and of every um, space in life, every every vocation almost. But he's done an insane job of being the facilitator of conversations and just letting people, mining their gold, I guess. Like he's mm. done such a good job of putting, giving them a platform to share their wisdom. And he's like, he's, he's been, I guess, like a good example looking at the conversation we just had that you just brought up of someone that's listen to his podcast. If, if, if you're yeah. listening to this podcast and you haven't listened to him before, listen to Tim Ferriss. That's T I M F E R R I S Tim Ferriss. And I think you'll know what I'm talking about. Even look at his books. Yeah. He's just a facilitator of great conversations. You've, uh, you've re-inspired me to, to go back and open those two books yeah yeah that he is he is a, a great example of it and i think that yeah i think like it's really fascinating that you mentioned that he's a facilitator of it yeah i think that's kind of what it is like facilitating conversation is it's and he's great is the thing like people know art. yeah people know him people know his name what for like there's a lot of things to yeah. know someone for but 
when I think of him, he's just a great facilitator of conversation. And so he's like, his influence is just like blown up because he's done such a great job of letting the great, great people in his life, like just seeking out conversations with great people. I feel like that's kind of what he's done so well. Like his books that we, he know, he's known for, which to be honest, I can't actually recall that I've finished them. Uh, what, four the hour four work. hour work week, yeah. the four hour body. Isn't, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is that him going out and doing research from multiple different perspectives and combining the research into the theory? I can't remember fully. I, I read four hour work week and it was like, like, I think it was a lot of research as well as himself applying principles and then talking about how it played out. Yeah. I feel like, I f and I'll have to go back and look at it. I feel like that's how he's done it. He's collab He's gone to the best in class, the best that he knows of with, you know, proven results and whatnot and just compiled them together. Like he, like you said, he's a great facilitator. I love that. That's cool. That's such a cool. Con yeah. And it just got me thinking like how often do, even for myself, I feel like there's so many times where I feel the need to, to share things that I've learned with other people. But even now as we're talking, I'm like, man, I need to approach these conversations and just allow even more space for the other person to just like share <laughs> what they have to say. Cause sometimes I think it's one of my issues is in conversations, I can get a bit carried away with trying to share things I've learned. I could probably do, do better at just letting people share what they've learned. One principle that I've a practical principle that I learned from documentary style filmmaking is the power of silence. Yeah. Like you do, like as the, in, and I'm not, I need to continue to learn this and to make sure I'm doing it because it is uncomfortable sometimes where you ask someone a question and actually, or, or let them, or don't even butt in, just let them think, let the silence allow the conversation to move on in, in very purposeful moments rather than filling it with just words because no one's talking. Like in that space of silence, when you ask someone a question or they say something and they look like they look like they've finished a thought but they may say more mm. that pause. If we can, sometimes it's like the key to letting them spill more of the heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that I I've picked up. Um, it was, a, it was a podcast about it. It might've been a podcast or an article about the power of silence and it applies both ways. I think for ourselves, when it comes to sharing thoughts, I've tried to apply it a lot. And sometimes I'd, I hope I don't make people uncomfortable. Sometimes I'll just sit there for a bit and just give it like 10 seconds to gather my thoughts rather than jumping in. And there's great examples. I remember when I was reading about it, the, one of the great examples was Steve Jobs at like, um, was like a Macworld or some, some sort of conference and someone threw like a really tough question from the crowd at him and the crowd was like laughing about, oh, how's he going to answer this one? And, and then you sit there through the video and he's just like dead silent for like 40 seconds or something. It was something really uncomfortable. But by the time he gathered his thoughts, his response was like spot on. And sometimes, yeah, you're right. Sometimes we try to just fill the gaps to eliminate the uncomfort. But by allowing yourself the space to actually think, <laughs> sometimes instead of just rushing into your words, there's, a, there's more power in just like letting yourself think. And then I guess like the same way goes with when you're asking someone else a question, not forcing them to answer, giving them space to. Yeah, it's something that I noticed. As well. Like I, I stumbled upon an article. All right, silence.
Your facial structure is beautiful, eh? I'm glad I spent that t- 10 seconds there just observing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, like, again, if anyone's listening to this podcast, definitely by no means are we claiming to be experts. This is just a chat. Yeah. We're literally... We need to put that disclaimer up at the start of every episode, eh? No... Yeah, we I, we only know what we. How old are you? Thirty. Uh, oh my gosh! No, that's uh. I'm yeah, still claiming. I'm still claiming my twenties for those, these last fleeting months. So you're 29 and I'm 24. So if that gives perspective, we are still young, <laughs> but we just like to talk. One of the things like to talk and discuss. One of the things that I guess that I've been thinking over as a very relevant thing is sometimes I feel like if I'm outputting a lot or if I, f- if I f- feel like I have earned the right to speak into certain people's lives, that sometimes it discourages me because I start to think maybe I'm actually just, maybe I know nothing. Why am I doing this? Why, why? As in, it feels like I have nothing of actual value to share. Why am I actually inputting people's lives? Have you ever felt that you've had like, influence in someone's lives and you've been giving them maybe some level of advice because they've asked for it and then you just kind of feel like well what am I actually doing here um sometimes I think that applies to me on a skill based sort of thing um I yeah if I'm just being honest I can I can see that being a concern of mine when it comes to skill based things um, which I guess has merit because sometimes I've been l- increasing my capacity to have influence <clears throat> and with that comes the responsibility of training people. So I think on the hard skill side of things, at times I can feel like, like you were in the office yesterday and I was telling, uh, teaching Tilly a lot of, uh, coloring things and you heard me even in my language frame things by, I'm not an, I'm not a scientific expert with color grading and they're sort of like you can like that's part of the language i guess that i'm sometimes feel like you've been saying like imposter syndrome (laughs) bit of an imposter when it comes to the hard skills but if i'm being honest i feel like for for the people that i i've been blessed to have influence over a lot of them are, are still coming up through youth and young adults and i i feel like god's god's taught me a lot and put me in a position where i've learned to love his word cool and so when it comes to the soft skills side of things when i'm trying when i can always reflect back to the word of god and so the final authority falls back on god so i I have full confidence that as long as i'm speaking the word as long as i'm not speaking out of feelings the word will always be true and it was part of my devotion this morning the word of god was is everlasting from heaven and it's faithful to all generations. So his word will always be true. So I think the principles that we live by, which are scriptural, I can always rely on that. But then the hard skills is where I feel a little imposter. Hey, you take over the conversation for a quick second here. I just got to quickly uh, grab a tissue. <laughs> yeah, I think now that um, you're grabbing a tissue. Still here. I think that's valid. That's such a valid perspective that... Now I'm talking to a chair, but I think it's such a valid perspective that when you, I guess if you have the same worldview as us and and you believe that scripture is the ultimate authority, the word, word is the ultimate authority, then if you come back to that, you point straight back to that, that you actually have released ownership of your own, your own thoughts in that moment. 
I think that this is something that I would like to feel more comfortable in. I think a lot of the time I... The imposter syndrome is probably the theoretical, like the description for it, where you're like, why do I have any right to speak into someone's life when I don't even feel like I've got a full grasp on what I'm doing? And I think that's been something that I go, well, I agree with you on that point, that that the word is the ultimate thing you can kind of go back to at the end of the day if you're feeling out of your depth. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think experience is something that, I guess has weight. I guess experience also has merit. Um, but one thing that I have learned, and this is something I'm trying to figure out the balance of actioning. And I talk to, I've talked to close people about this, which is something that I am trying to figure out is the balance of when people want advice. Yeah. Like yeah. For, a mo- for a season there, when you feel like you're very inspired and you're feeling like you want to share all the things that you've learned, actually realizing that... <laughs> People don't always want to hear it. And I'm trying to learn the cues and have the sensitivity and in a Christian perspective, a Holy Spirit sensitivity as to this is the time to actually say something. Um, And I'm learning as a general principle to try not to tell someone something unless they're asking about it. A general principle Mm -hmm. without other than prompting. Like if I feel like prompted to, to do it because I'm learning that people will do what they want to do Everyone, if they're an adult, if they're a child, a different story. But if you're, uh, if you're some, an adult with capacity to think and to come up with your own decisions, you can't force any adult to do something that they don't want to do. Mm. Therefore, it's almost in a sense, unless you feel like you're prompted to, I feel like it's wasted sometimes to be talking when about certain things unless people are asking for it. And I think that's where I'm striking my own balance, mm. where... Does that make sense? That makes sense to me. I've I've even been thinking about that same thing this week where it's like the freedoms everyone has, like we can't, yeah, we can't force decisions. We can't force viewpoints to be someone's own. They have free will. And and at that point, if we're forcing them, is that love? Because free love is, love allows for free choice. Um, so if we are so bent on someone making a decision that mm. will that will like out of not out of love like it becomes it becomes like kind of spiteful sometimes yeah and we got to respect that people have freedoms and that's a that's a whole conversation in of in and of itself like when mm. it comes to um freedoms by the government freedoms for individuals <laughs> like it, it applies across the whole thing and that's why yeah. i think the christian worldview of like everyone has freedom to make they have free will if we don't violate that that's that's the, that's a thriving society right it's there. Principles, I think. man. Yeah, I agree, and that's what I'm. That's where I'm coming from at the moment. Is yes, I feel. I have a question for you too. By the way, you finish this thought, then I got another no, question. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll wrap it up there. But basically, it's just that I, I'm starting to understand that to not speak things unless, in general, people are actually asking. Sometimes they don't really care <laughs> unless yeah. they're ready for it, which is normally indicated by them being inquisitive. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah, um, I wanted to just quickly jump back to one of the thoughts you had with regards to um, imposter syndrome, like that sort of thing. Because um, I remember years ago, you would you you would um say this this one phrase. I don't know where you sit on it now, and if if like feel free to just elaborate on it and what your thoughts are now. But as long as and I think it's got merit to it. As long as you're a couple steps ahead of someone, 
You can teach them. Yes. Oh, I don't. I don't think that my perspective on that has changed. I think the thing that I'm learning, learning, is that from a, I guess, a, even call it a, actually, I'm trying to figure out whether it's, if there's a scriptural basis on this. It's just reality, I suppose, that there is some hierarchy, hierarchical status when it comes to accomplishment. Whether or not you want to, like, just as a, on a, a sheer objective standpoint, from people who have more experience and have accomplished more have by logic accomplished more. I cannot claim to have had the same level of objective accomplishment as someone who's built a billion dollar business. Yes. Principles are similar, all that stuff, but everyone who has accomplished more by sheer action has more experience than someone who hasn't experience trumps theory every time well obviously working jointly it's great but when you've lived something out i feel like you have a right to be able to speak on those things that you have lived out yeah. to someone who is coming <coughs> up and coming and i think that that's where i feel the imposter syndrome syndrome sets in when you start to realize let's say you started at point zero or ground zero and you move to level one you now feel like you have some level of right to talk to the people at ground zero on the same journey. But now you're realizing that there are multiple levels above you mm. that you're not even close to. And that's been a reality that I'm walking through. I describe it to some, some people as a funnel from the reverse direction. When you first start on a pursuit or a journey, if you're really intentional about it, you're pretty focused like you can literally picture it's all you know is this next kind of step like there's some vague things in the distance but your actual perspective of this is what i need to do now is very small and then as you start to push through and go you realize that that starts to branch out as a funnel like you start to see you start to see opportunity you start to see all the different pathways that are possible and i think that makes it really hard to actually feel content with where you're at at any one time mm. because you're actually going, yes, for, for me to speak to 2019 me, I can tell my two two years ago self what I've learned in these last two years. But I know people who are even one, two, three years ahead of me in a certain pursuit and I'm like, I know nothing compared to these guys. And yet I've already by doing that devalued what has happened in these two years. That to me is where imposter syndrome is very dangerous. And I'm, I'm saying this as a person who's probably currently still battling with it quite frequently. And then to hear that there's people objectively steps ahead that are still battling with it. And you're like, but you have 30 staff and you're telling me that you feel like you don't know what you're doing and you feel like you're just faking it. Mm. And I go, well, kind of good. And also like, well, that sucks. <laughs> and I guess when against a really, really deep, just overall perspective, that's where if you're not grounded in a faith in God as being your identity, then that's where you'll struggle. And that's where I guess sometimes yeah. it does become a struggle. Um, I still do believe, like I said, to round back to what you said, that you have, yeah, experience has right to speak into. I, I think and I believe that experience has the right Experience and scriptural revelation together have a right to speak into someone's life. Yeah. If 
Because sometimes there's things you haven't lived out, but you know that God's taught you something yeah. through his word and through other people. And I feel like that's got value. As long as you don't claim that you've had that experience. I think yeah. that's the biggest thing. I yeah, for sure. I always think of it as like hindsight. The scripture is hindsight. Yeah. And you see stories in scripture which give you confidence in hindsight that whatever that is, that promise that came to you then is achievable again today. But then we also have personal stories that become hindsight for ourselves that we can reflect on. But I like that. In, in If we don't have the experience ourselves, we can always still pull back to the final authority of scripture, which has hindsight, which has stories that confirm things that we may not have experienced ourselves. And when we do experience it ourselves, it just becomes a part of the whole story that that has gone from eternity, from the start of time through till now and forever. Um, I want to quickly jump back on another train of thought there. When you're talking about um, people who you've seen in your life ahead of you, you've had a journey behind you where you've seen like two years past of building this business and you see people ahead with like so much um, accomplish, I guess like accomplishment in that in business. Mm. They've um, gone the journey longer than you have. When I, when I hear you say that, I guess it reminds me that there's a journey to everything, right? Like to get from destination from point A to point B and onwards is a journey. Um, and there's things that bring us down on the journey. There's things that bring us up on the journey. There's, Things that that we can think of that are highlights. Um, yeah, and then things that are a bit of down moments. But for yourself, in this journey so far up to this point, what are some key like highlights that you can look back on and be like, this? these have been like great learning experiences, um, something to share with people from the journey so far, thus far? Like, do you want like a real world examples or do you just want whatever you know, metaphorical com- thoughts? Do you want actual... Highlights. How about a practical and then a and then a thought change, like a practical um, success, a practical winning. Yeah. Okay. And then also in your thought life. Man, I guess the, f- the very first thing that comes to mind is the caliber of some of the organizations that we've been able to work with, that I've been able to work with. That even six months ago, if you told me that I had that, if you told me six months ago that we have the opportunity to work for Hillsong Church. Wow. Um, to do stuff that is getting broadcast globally. If, if you told me that, if you told me that six months ago, let alone when I first picked up a camera, you know, I'd be like, are you, are you kidding? Yeah. Like, and I still, I still don't believe that that stuff has happened and is happening. I feel completely out of my depth, but I'm actively trying to... Just walking on water. <laughs> that's it. So that's, that's a practical highlight. And actually to build on that, the fact that it's looking like, at least in the foreseeable couple months, that a lot of our work will be for Christian organizations. I that's think good. that that's <clears throat> something you couldn't have told me even six months ago. I guess other practical, I guess other practical wins are like actually having a permanent employee, which that's is great. something that again is still super scary. But to actually understand what now goes into building a, a staffed team that is on payroll. At least I'm at the beginning of that, beginnings of that. And also that means by default, I'm learning how to grow something that's independent of myself. I guess those are big milestones this year. Um, and apart from actually having now a plan, a five-year plan um, as to growth and whatnot. So those are things that, this is coming from someone that one year ago, it was just me in a bedroom still, or a side bedroom still, mm. just one year ago. And now it's it's one year changes a lot. Yeah. You got an office space as well now. Yeah. Office space. Small team. (coughs) Last year, one year ago, 
we were just, I was still shooting on very embarrassingly low quality equipment. Still kind of uh, building that, that stuff. But when you, if people knew, who were cinematographers knew the kind of stuff we were shooting on a year ago, it's like, this is entry level. And it's still quite part of the journey, eh? Exactly. And it's things like that where it's, it's that- very cool. That also can be a turnoff for a lot of people on a journey. Eh, is like they, I guess, like I see a lot of people say, oh, "I don't have the gear. I don't have this." Like they think you need, you need to be at a certain. Well, in reality, that comes at a certain part of the journey, and they think I can't start on the journey because I don't have that, which is, which comes later in the journey. Just gotta use what's in your hand, yeah. eh? Uh, and that's its own again, its own topic. On a mindset, is that what you're asking about? Is yeah. mindset perspectives? I have learned and I'm learning that the biggest success factor just as straight up is decisiveness. I've, I put that, I put that, I wrote it to myself kind of half inspired two years ago on a piece of, on a notepad, sorry, a post-it note and kind of did, I still, still don't really know what it means, but I wrote something I read in a book, make recklessly fast decisions. Yeah. (laughs) while I was still making quite slow ones. And even to this day, there's still things that I don't feel I do fast enough. Yeah. And I probably do that for a long time, but I feel like mindset wise, I still, the stuff that I kind of gloss over nowadays, if people say, Hey, how do you start this pursuit? Well, it's quite, quite simple. Don't, don't give yourself a plan B. Like you have to go full focus in it. There's no, yeah. Like that's, that's to me, that's kind of, a past learning that I'm still learning, but it's, it's kind of like, all right, this stage of where I'm learning is decisiveness is everything. Yeah. The faster you can make a decision, the faster anything happens, just comes yeah. back to action. So the success gap is the speed between your thought, your, your thought and the decision to do it and the time to actually do it. That's the success gap. Yeah. Because in that time, and this is where there's still prayer, due diligence, all the things that you need, but there's also pure gut feel that I believe is also, you know, Holy Spirit. We like, Soon as you know to make a decision, the that's faster true. you do it. Because sometimes, better. even in a Christian worldview, people wrestle with the Holy Spirit, and that's where the tension of time yep. gets stretched out is wrestling with the Holy Spirit. And I think when I heard that instantly in my head, I'm like, hmm, recklessly fast decisions. What does that look like in terms of a Christian making decisions? Uh, and as you talked about it then, and I, as no, and knowing you, you were so prayerful over your decisions. You are hundred percent. Oh, no one's ever always hundred oh. <laughs> percent on on the ball with it. But yeah. I know that you have made like a commitment to like to pray and fast about things. So when it comes to your decisions, I guess that's where I can see now this this dichotomy of fast decisions, prayerful decisions. But when I see it and like, oh, what fast decisions? How would someone apply this hearing it? It really is. Now that I think about it, it could just be we wrestle with the Holy Spirit too long. Like we just try to argue for so long that we, we don't make that step. And sometimes it could just be that much faster if we just let the Holy Spirit take us. I will be, I'm first to say I'm one of those people that identifies with the whole, ah, I overthink, I overthink. And yeah, that's, I overthink. I do. And that's the thing. Even to this day, there's still some decisions I should be making faster. But you know what you quickly realize is that the faster you make a decision, the faster you either win from it or you lose from it and then you learn either way. Yeah. The what's again the bottom line is what is the worst that could happen? And if the worst isn't you die, then but then other you know, that can get real deeper. Then like what is the worst that could actually happen? So long as there's no I guess the, the, what, what, the, the qualification for the, for a fast decision is 
as I'm thinking about it, would, would be, would be, um, is the Holy Spirit, um, in it and say you're talking about like, you, you can either win or you can f- lose, uh, sorry, you can either win or you lose and learn. And I guess the only thing that I'd throw in there is, can you do it with a clear conscience? With a clear conscience. Yeah. That's beautiful wording. Let me give you a really, um, cause you don't want, you don't want to compromise on moral, on, on your morals and you don't have moral failure in a decision as well. So that's, that's, that's probably the bottom oh, 100%. line. That's the bottom so, line. Anything short of sin. Hey, anything, oh, anything yeah. short of sin. That's true. But just on a practical level, right? So let me give you something where, where I currently, like I've made a decision. It took a while, probably took too long. So to purchase a computer. Yeah. Right. Very practical decision. I, I had made the notes to myself to purchase a computer about a month ago because I knew, right, with the workload we've got, we don't have the computing power to do it. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, but Apple's releasing a new product. But oh, if we all know about if we all know about Apple's releases, <laughs> not only do we not actually know when it's going to get released, but then there'll be a wait time. There'll be all this stuff that you actually don't think about in the moment. Yeah. So a month ago, I thought about getting a computer. I only ordered a computer about a week ago, which is now going to arrive 28th, 29th. So in that gap, I wasted effectively a month of productivity by not buying a computer, which would effectively have been probably return on investment of having that would have been paid itself off several times by now. It's crazy. Speed, speed of decision making. And that's the, I'm not telling you this, but someone who is learning consistently that the slower I am at making decisions, the slower any progress gets made. And I'm like, the, the decision to hire an employee, not only did I have capacity to do it several months ago, but I took long enough in the process of from the very first time I entered the conversation to actually signing a contract took two months and learning. I'm learning because I'm learning. See what I mean? I'm learning that the next time, hopefully maybe it'll be a month, maybe it'll be less. And then eventually I guess all these, this is not to say like, just go and do whatever, whatever you want with your life. Like (laughs) just go make decisions and uh, due diligence, clear conscience, gut feel, intuition, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I'm learning that decisiveness is key. Yeah. It's key. And I, I also l- I listen to podcasts where, where people who built billion, do- built the billion dollar businesses say the same thing. And I'm like, okay, well, that validates it. Yeah. They say the same thing. I'm like, okay, cool. Because everything, everything, okay. Everything in life happens because of relationships with people. And everything happens because someone decided to do something and then do it. Relationships and action. Yeah. Everything happens because of people and someone did something. Wow. Those are like two key things. I'm like, hmm, these will be lessons from my 20s. Yeah. You, you should write a book. <laughs> lessons from your 20s. You should do that every decade, bro. Every. How good would that be? Because like there's someone on the journey that's going to hear this now that, I mean, like it's, it's a, it's a, you carry a bit of a uh, passion and a bit of a spirit about yourself when it comes to these sorts of things, which I guess reflecting to the start of the conversation, you bring that into conversations, you bring um, decisiveness, you bring passion, you bring all these things into your conversation. So it's kind of cool even just thinking about the first topic we touched on today and reflecting on this week when we've talked about some of the conversations that we've had this week. It's just it, your nature comes through bro it's it's pretty cool man i'm just so excited to be in the room with you man and we like, didn't talk about video games <laughs> that's all right we can hold off till next <laughs> week bro we, we made a decision we were decisive about it today we'll, we'll talk about some of this stuff and the thing that the thing that i learned and i know that we've got to wrap this up we've got to wrap this up soon the thing that i'm learning is that from the ages of 
from the age of 13, I probably had a semblance of what I knew I should be doing. And it took double that time to get started. Yeah, yeah, well. It took me probably 25, 26 years old to start actioning. And not not saying that I didn't think about it, you know. I, I pursued 13 years of just uncertainty. And, and I think, I believe, I believe, I can say this now with godly confidence. I believe I trailblazed a little bit. And I'll take that that period of time as something to be able to go... At least, if anything, maybe I helped carve the way for others in my life to actually go. Mm. It's doable, and I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take that thirteen-year gap of time, that thirteen-year. You know what I mean? It's experience. I'll take it because it's if experience. it if it helps if it helps knock down the trees without no, climate change, <laughs> environmentally speaking, uh, metaphorically <laughs> speaking, if it helps me to clear down the trees a little bit so that the next person can come in and start to pave the road and then maybe a generation from now there'll be a couple of people driving down it. If it takes my life to cut down the trees, cool. Mm. That's fair enough. I'll, I just want to know that I play I play a part because the faster, decisiveness, the faster, if I can tell... 13 year old me when he had that dream you can do it do it and i'll help you mm. if i can help more of those people no regardless age irregardless that's powerful though. and and i'm seeing the fruit not of my life i'm seeing the fruit of people that i watch sitting next to i'm a in recipient an of that fruit <laughs> sitting next to in an office yesterday to um, how old is ben 14 13 yeah, 14 bro. seeing him someone like that step into it that young and have people all around him saying you can do it you can do it do it own it yeah You're killing it crushing it that will set it, people like them up that's I'm the like, thing and it's that's yeah it. that's your legacy being carried through it's the shockwaves of um of your of your life and your uh the message of your life it's carried on honestly through into myself man and like i i i'm forever better I believe as a person because of the things that you've spoken into me and the example you've set. Um, and I'm seeing like, even for myself being able to do the same for others. So it's just doing what others did for you, for someone else. It's legacy. It's legacy. So you're doing legacy work, bro. Yeah. You're doing at the end of the work. day, if all we're doing is building the kingdom, then we're going to hopefully see the multiplication of more people with kingdom, kingdom purpose. I yeah. think that's, that's it. Like it ends like for us, we believe it doesn't end on earth. Mm. It, it goes further than that. So Yeah. Like I'm, I'm keen to see this what this next season has for yeah, everyone. Bro. In our lives, bro. Before we wrap up that this part of the conversation and begin to wrap up the entire podcast, uh, just remind me of what's that video you showed showed to me. I'd like to reference it to everyone on this podcast. There is a book that I have not finished reading. Yeah, and a sermon by the same guy. So John Bevere is yeah. the author and the speaker. His message, his life message, and his books is called Driven by Eternity. So that's his his message and book, um, so you can YouTube it. And within that, there's a, one of his presentations, there's a five minute short mm. that I'll need to actually find the name Cause that of. was powerful. And it gets me thinking about what we were just talking about there. We're like in that video, it's like God calls them by the thing that he had called them to. So it's like, um, it might've been a mother. It's like, uh, I can't remember what the, what the language was in the video, but it's like, I called you to raise your two children. And that was your calling for life. But you did this instead. It's like, had you raised your uh, three children, I think it was, mm. they would have impacted 700,051 souls or something. And it's like, and when you put it in perspective, like, although it seems insignificant to your, to, in your viewpoint that you're not, say, like out there um, in another country doing missions work or something that sometimes we put on a pedestal, 
the calling of a mother mm. to raise their arrows, raise their children, does more damage for the kingdom than if a mother wasn't doing her calling and tried to do something that someone else was called to. So when, much more ineffective. When we, when I first watched that, kind of like moved me a lot when I first saw that because I thought of yeah, I mom. thought of mum. Yeah, that's the first thing that came to my mind because like yeah. she's she's committed like her entire life towards raising her kids. Like that is all that she that's that's what she's about. She's like I've prayed every day, like on her knees, like a her uh, like her her pants like rips in the in the in them from just like praying and like that's all she talks about that's her calling she says is to raise her kids and the thing that i go is like the verse that comes to mind i don't know it in any other i don't remember the reference right now i don't know it any other than the king james is redeeming the time because the days are evil yeah like if 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 you if you live with that eternal worldview and that eternal perspective and then you kind of understand that your life is a vapor all those all those things kind of can't waste time on earth that's why like it's kind of can't if you live with that perspective. Yeah. If you grasp that perspective, oh, you just can't really waste time. And there was something else that, and I don't want anyone to take this and be like, "Oh, th- Josh said this. This must be right." I can't fully remember, but if I recall right, I remember reading something yesterday where it's like, sometimes we get we see things like missionaries on on another country, like, uh, and, and and we put stuff like that on a pedestal in a Christian perspective, where it's like, "Oh man, look at them going out of this country, going to somewhere else, and reaching the lost." But we put that on a pedestal and God didn't call us to, to, to save souls. It was something like that. But he called us to preach the gospel, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Like he didn't ask us to go save souls. Yeah. And a lot of the times we see things like that and it's like, uh, I, I, I hope I'm not like, I hope I'm not discouraging anyone in, in the wrong ways to d- take this with a grain of salt. There was, do, there was, you, do you mean that? Like, I'll try to load it up on my phone, bro, because there was someone that posted something and it really clicked with me. It's like it, our lives, we don't have to be, um, we don't have to think that we all need to go to another country and, and start a, start a orphanage, start a church, like these really noble things that we put. Sometimes just preaching the gospel in what you're called to. If you're called to be an accountant, like that video said, and you're preaching the gospel there, you are making you are impacting souls. You are, that leads to the salvation of souls. It leads to souls being saved. You're not called to go out and try to tell everyone, be a Christian, be a Christian, be a Christian. I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but God does the saving. <laughs> yeah, we're just, exactly. We're, we're just the vessels that are supposed to influence and also when, ha- when getting the opportunity to do so, to show the, the literal path to, to, to him. But yeah, you're right. Like that's, I guess this is... Uh, this is this is the topic. Let's talk. Let's talk about it for another two minutes. Yeah, but yeah. This is the topic where I I firmly believe. I really feel like I have this this real internal belief that you can only operate to a degree where people will respect you, to a degree where you have influence when you are plugged into what you are supposed to do, because that's where you are graced to be. You're you're graced to do that. Therefore, your life will reflect that. You'll have the fruits of the spirit. And you'll have that influence to be able to speak into people's lives, point them to Jesus. I, I don't feel like you're a great representative of Jesus if you're complaining about your day job. Yeah. I don't feel like that's a that's representative of a full Christian life if you're yeah. not content with what's happening around you. Can I read? Uh, I, found, I, I found what I found the um, post I was talking about. There's a pastor that um, th- that I that I'm friends with that came along to our church and he he, he pastors a church elsewhere. But this is the post that he put up yesterday. I'm not sure what this first word specifically means, but prosel. I'm not even going to say it. Proselyting? Prosel- 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 
baptizing. I don't know. That's, that's evangelizing <laughs> yeah, to people. Yeah, is is a perversion of evangelism. We've been commanded to preach the gospel, not win souls. Love it. Many churches have issues because they have unbelievers who prayed prayers and changed religions because the church's motive wasn't the gospel, but growth through sales tactics. <laughs> it's sad that the average Bible college advanced evangelism wow. is memorized scripts, answers, and compliments as to how best to sell religion and outdo the competition. If winning souls is our goal, we will be forced to manipulate to accomplish our goal or we would have failed. <sighs> That's the thing. And you hear about like, we got to go out there and win souls. We've got to win souls for Christ. I think that would be the result of if we just focus on the real goal, which he says here, um, is preaching the gospel. We've been commanded to preach the gospel, mm. not win souls. And he said, this thought was born out of a conversation with African national pastors today who have seen firsthand the damage of quote unquote missions work tactics employed by those who may have had good motives, but bad doctrine. And sometimes I've always been iffy about that. Like where it's like, we've got to win souls. And it's like, this comes to mind. Like I think subconsciously, I'll be, I think about that. Like if we're just trying to win souls, getting people to pray a prayer, getting people to, let me, we should be preaching the gospel, preach is, the gospel, no matter where you are, preach the gospel. Again, I don't want to labor the point because I know that we need to wrap this up, but this is what I was speaking to someone last night about is this, is, this is my revelation that I want to keep building over time. I don't know what it's going to look like, but my revelation has been that the body of Christ is a body. Yeah. A functioning body is healthy because all its members are in the right place and they're doing functioning healthy internally and they're doing what they're meant to do. In theory, even though this isn't the case, if the functioning church was a whole body, was was functioning well, in theory, means every single Christian on this planet and that ever lived was doing, operating in their gifting in what they were supposed to do. They married the correct person. They had the correct relationships. They influenced people around them and they all pointed to Jesus because they had Jesus in them, in theory. So that's my understanding as well is like we all are, to be a part of the body of Christ, you have to have Christ. You have to have accepted. So you have to have received him. And then by default, by being plugged into the career ministry relationships that you're supposed to be in, you fulfill your role and strengthen the body as a whole and allow people who aren't in the body to actually go, that's what we need to be a part of. Yeah. Need to be that. And that will include verbally saying, come to church, verbally saying, here's the road to, here's how you accept Jesus. Yeah. But it's because little toe over here didn't decide to become the nose and do that role. You know what I mean? Yeah. In theory, it's just, it, again, it's not a perfect world. In theory, that actually means, and obviously because there's the devil's attacks, that there's no financial stress within the church. In theory, it means that there's no, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because the, the marketplace is being served with the church. The church is handling, you know, things like that because everyone is operating where they're meant to. That's just yeah. my And for myself, revelation. like, I've felt like the pressure of hearing that, I guess, which is like, I struggled with that where it's like, um, there's people who, who say like, you gotta be, I don't know, you gotta be this and that to be a, a successful soul winner. But as I've lived out my calling and I've always been like, oh man, is, is, is using my creative gifts, writing music, um, teaching musicians, teaching creatives. Is that my, like, is that a noble calling? Like, will that actually win souls? And I feel like in the last couple of years, I've really just locked in and tried to give God that, give God that. And the byproduct is souls have Influence. been won. Like 
I've been able to win souls by just sticking to my calling. And I guess for myself, it was kind of like, okay, if it's possible to, to see the result of that through just sticking to my calling and not feeling any less than someone else who's called to do something that we've put on a pedestal as great and noble to win souls. There's, there's something to be said about living an abundant life where all these things happen, like all the things that the scripture says should happen through a believer's life actually happens. In the parable yeah. of the talents. Yeah. <laughs> the parable of the meaners, whatever. There is, there are 10 people that are given, there are 10 people that are given something by the master. The saddest thing about that story is that only three people actually reported back to start with. So that means by default, 70% of them did nothing at all. Yeah. Then you hear the three, one of them buried in the ground and ran away, whatever. Then the two people that did it, they multiplied their gifting and they were given influence. Mm. They were given reign over cities. They, it's implied that there's financial gain. It's implied all those things, but they were given influence. I think that's the key. Yeah. You're plugged into the right thing, using your talents well. I know we have to wrap this up. But you have the correct influence over the correct circle of influence. Yeah, 100%. That's it. Totally agree. Totally agree. Right. I think that's a, that, that's something that closes the podcast there with. You have the right influence with the right circle of people. So I guess let's uh, let's stick into what God's called us to to do. Influence that circle. Life's, a, life's a, all about circles. So who's in your inner circle? Who's the circle you're reaching? And maybe next week we talk about video games. Yeah, let's do it. Let's <laughs> do it. Chill. No, that's good as man. Awesome, man. Well, we got to get moving yep. pretty soon. So, once again, love you, baby. Bob's out. Bob's out. <laughs>